Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. Here at Emmanuel Church, we believe that God wants to meet us where we're at. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can listen to the message from our Sunday worship experience. We would love for you to stay connected with us by visiting our website at myemmanuelchurch.com or at any social media platform at myemmanuelchurch. We hope you enjoy this message. joining us here online. It is Easter Sunday. Easter is, uh, or some people call it, I know that uh, some people don't like to call it Easter and they call it Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday, it's Easter. We are celebrating Jesus today and I know that I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Yeah, you excited? Yeah, I hope you're at home excited. You know, I, I like to get them to participate to me because if I'm preaching to an empty room, it's weird. But I know that you're watching. So if you are online watching us today, welcome, 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 a thousand times welcome. I am Pastor Gabe, and along with my wife, Lajinska, we have the privilege and honor of pastoring here at Emmanuel Church. And uh, this is our worship team. If you've already been watching us, you know, you've, you've seen them before. So I'd like to have them here. I might, I might start having them on the stage regularly. No, they're not going to like that. <laughs> I don't know about that. But uh, for now, they're here with me because uh, I can see their reactions. I can actually see if they're paying attention or not. No, I'm just kidding. They pay attention. They do. But thank you for joining us again. And we're here celebrating Easter Sunday. And it's such a special day for the church, we celebrate Jesus coming back to life. Because if you don't know the story, Jesus died, you know, and, and people, when they die, they usually stay dead, but Jesus didn't stay dead. He came back and he, he surprised everybody, really, even though, you know, countless times he told people, hey, I'm going to die, but I'll be back. And they just, they just didn't get it. They just didn't get it, but Jesus is alive, and that is so meaningful for us today. Through Easter, we are wrapping, this is our last Sunday of our Q&A with Jesus uh, series. And it's fitting that the last question that we're going to talk about today on Easter, Jesus asked a question after he rose from the dead, and he told a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene, he said, who is it that you're looking for? Who is it that you're looking for? And today, I want us to think about that question. And I want to ask you that question. Who is it that you're looking for? Are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking for someone to satisfy life, to to fulfill your needs? Are you looking for a husband, for a wife? Like, we're all looking for different things. But Jesus is asking us, who is it that you're looking for? You know, looking for something you know, especially when you've lost something, I, I just, we lose our minds sometimes trying to find things that we've lost, especially things that are precious to us. You know, we lose a sock in the dryer. Eh, nobody's going to really care about it. It's annoying for sure. You know, we lose a sock in the dryer. It's like, well, now I'm missing a pair. And if you have like my, my trick to that is just have all the same pairs of socks, the same kind. And so if you lose one, you just pick up another one. So you don't got to worry about it. But when we lose something, it, 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 it's annoying and it drives us crazy until we can find it, especially if it's something valuable to us. You know, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I, I had a Nintendo DS system and I went losing my mind trying to find it. And 
it came to find out that I realized that I had left it in a hotel on a trip in Galveston. I never got that back. Because <laughs> somebody, we called, we even called the hotel and they were just like, oh, we didn't see anything. Of course they didn't. Of course they didn't. You know, someone must have seen something. Either someone of the staff of the hotel, I'm not blaming the staff of the hotel, or someone that stayed in the room after us found it, you know. But regardless, I couldn't find it. And this is the, the story that I want to share with you, like I said, is about Mary Magdalene. And this is what's happening to her. She She's lost. In her mind, she has lost Jesus. In the disciples' mind, they have lost Jesus. He has, he has died. They buried him. And three days later, they're coming to do the final things that they're supposed to do to prepare a body because they couldn't before because of Passover, because of the Sabbath. And they came to anoint the body, to wrap it, to embalm it, and to do all the things they were supposed to. And Mary Magdalene comes to the, to the grave, and she cannot find Jesus. So in Mark, uh, I'm sorry, not Mark, John, John chapter 20, verses 11 to 16, we find Mary in this situation and she is distraught. She says, now the, the Bible says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, why, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And it's amazing, uh, stop right there for a second, it's amazing that she sees these angels, she does. She sees these people, and maybe she wasn't aware that they were angels, but she was watching them, and she sees them, and they're sitting where Jesus was, and she says, why are you crying? What, what's going on? The angels are asking, or they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where he is. And in another version of the story, the angels even tell her, why are you looking for what is, who is living among the dead? You're not going to find him here. Yet, for whatever reason, it still doesn't get through to Mary and she's still crying. And it says, at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Say that with me. Who is it that you're looking for? Y'all too. Who is it? Y'all at home. Who is it? That you're look- or if you don't want to say it out loud, type it into the chat. Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. She was so distraught. She was ready. She was like, where is he? Where? I've got to find his body. I've got to take care of him. He is so precious to me. And Jesus didn't answer her in any way. He didn't say, Mary, look, I'm Jesus, okay? Mary, I'm Jesus. Can't you see? You know, I know maybe I look a little different. Maybe I'm glowing. I don't know if he was glowing. Was he glowing? Who knows? He, he was, maybe he was glowing. Maybe he was different. He was probably dressed in royal, his royal heavenly robes of white. I don't know what he looked like. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But it tells us he looked at her and he said, Jesus said to her, Mary. He just said her name. He said her name and she turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. In that moment, he said her name and she realized it's him. This is Jesus. I was looking for him and he was supposed to be dead. But here he is standing in front of me. I thought someone took him away, but he is talking to me. 
I hear his voice. He said my name. I recognized him in that moment. I love this story. I love this story especially because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will say a lot of different things. But the first people who carried the gospel and the news that Jesus was alive was were women. And they took the, the news to the disciples and they didn't believe it. After this, he says, go, tell, the, tell, tell my brothers, tell the disciples that I am alive. And she ran to them and tell them, and they didn't believe it. And two of them, Peter and John, had to come and check the tomb for themselves, and they saw it was empty. And even then, they didn't believe. It took Jesus appearing in front of them in a locked room for them to realize what was happening. But all it took for Mary was for him to say her name, Mary. And she knew it was Jesus. And she knew. And I love this story because it's so beautiful. Because she was looking for someone. And we're all looking for some, some, someone or something in life. Some of us look for success. You know, we want, uh, some of us like money, you know. <laughs> the Bible says the root of all evil is the love of money. We like it a little too much. We're going down the wrong path. Some of us want money. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to live a comfortable life. Some of us want success and money and that. Some of us are looking for different things. I want to accomplish my dreams. I want to write songs. I want to write a book. I want to do this. I want my dream career. I want to work with cars. I want to be a doctor, an astronaut, an architect, uh, or, you know, I, I want to be a singer. Whatever it is, you know, baker, whatever it is, that we, we want something. We're looking for something. And some of us are looking for people, you know. And, and that, that makes sense. We are all created. The Bible tells us that we are created for relationship with God. And so each and every single one of us, we want to find someone to fill that hole. And so we look. We go through relationship after relationship after relationship. I know I was a youth pastor. That was the most annoying thing to me. Like there were some people in my youth group that had like new boyfriend, new girlfriend, like every week. And I'm just like, Really? Really? Why? What do, what do you need? What, what are you looking for? And that's the thing, though. They're looking for something. They're, they're, we're looking for compassion. We're looking for someone to see us, to acknowledge us, to hear us. We're looking for someone to fix us. You know, there's, that, there's this whole idea when it comes to marriage that the person that you marry is your other half. Like you're two halves of a whole. You know, as Latinos, we, we, we have a phrase, the media naranja, the other half of the orange. And although it's like, what does oranges have to do with anything? I don't know, but it's, that's what we say. Your, your other half. But the reason why is because we're looking for someone. We're looking for something to complete us. We say, this can complete us. And I can tell you, I've been married for two years, and Lajinska doesn't complete me like that. No, she, she doesn't. You know, I love you if she's watching. She, I know she's watching probably at home. I love you. But she doesn't complete me like that. The only person that can complete me is Jesus. Because I'm Gabe. I'm Gabriel. She's Lajinska, and... We are two people, but the hole that we're looking for can't be filled by marriage. It can't be filled by relationships. It can't be filled by love, sex, money, nothing. It can't be filled by any of that. The only thing that can fill us is this relationship that we have been called to, that we have been created for. Nothing else will fill it. 
not clout. I know that's what people say. You know, everybody wants clout. You know, I know I sound weird. I'm 30 years old and I'm up here. Some of my younger people here, they're just like, oh, that sounds weird. Gabriel, Pastor Gabe, stop. But it won't. It won't. We're looking for something, but it won't. We won't find it in people. And so what we do then is we know, we, we hear, we hear the stories. We say, Jesus is the one that's supposed to fill us. But there's also a problem with that. It's not, it's not, not, not that there's a problem with Jesus. Jesus is the one that does fulfill our lives. But the problem with it is us. See, because then we find Jesus and we want something specific. And so we try to fit Jesus to our mold. Well, I want success. So my Jesus says that everyone's going to be blessed. Everyone's going to be millionaires. That's what we're supposed to If you're poor, you're in sin. No, that none of that is true. But we, we, we mold Jesus to that. And we create a Jesus that is prosperous. And we forget that Jesus was a poor man that said, I don't live nowhere. I don't got a house. The only house I got is to go back and live with my mama. But I'm traveling. I'm doing something. I'm busy. I'm preaching the gospel. But we create this Jesus that tells us we're supposed to be prosperous. Or if we sin and we like our sin, because I mean, let's be honest, sin is fun sometimes. (laughs) That's why people do it. Because it's satisfying in the moment. The things that we do for ourselves to be selfish, it's satisfying in the moment, so that's why we do it. And so we create a picture of Jesus that is supremely gracious. And God is supremely gracious. But we say, well, I can do whatever I want and it doesn't matter because Jesus. But Jesus doesn't want us to stay in our sin. He doesn't want us to do that, and but yet we, we create Jesus that way. We tell him, I can live in sin and be okay with it. Like, like all of that is okay. And that's my life. No one can tell me. And that's where the phrase, God, only God can judge me comes from. I hate that phrase. Y'all know, like I've heard, uh, y'all have heard me preach about that before. And so we pray, we, 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 we change Jesus. We change God to be what we want him to be. So, like he doesn't care about sin he doesn't care about uh, being, he wants us to be rich he wants us this, he wants us that he wants us to be married you know, some of us some of us, ooh, some of us right now are like you're looking for a relationship as God is telling you you don't need a relationship, you need me you weren't called to be married you weren't called to be in a relationship you were called to me to be with me. And some of us want to substitute that so that we, we tell ourselves that God has someone prepared for us. And maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know what God is thinking. I'm married, so <laughs> the rest of y'all single people. No, I'm just kidding. We love y'all. <laughs> and Jesus loves us, but there's times when he wants us to say, you know, you, you should not be focusing on relationships. You should be focusing on me. You're trying to satisfy your own needs. And so we do that all of the time. We, we tell ourselves that this is Jesus. And that's what the disciples did. That's what Mary did too. They told themselves that Jesus was dead. That was the Jesus they saw in their minds. That From the moment he was arrested and crucified, they said, this cannot be the exact same man who we thought he was. We thought maybe that he was God, but he God can't die. So this is not God. I don't know who he was, but he was a good man and he was important to us, but he's dead now. 
And so when he came back, they didn't want to believe it. They, they created this picture uh, of Jesus that was dead and gone. And they didn't want to see anything else. Mary was looking for him and she, she thought he was a gardener. Who are you, sir? Where is Jesus? And she goes and tells the disciples when she realizes what's going on. And she tells the disciples and the disciples are like, nah, that's not true. That's not real. I have to check for this myself. And two of them went. And they saw the empty tomb and they still didn't believe. And Jesus appeared to them. And then they believed. But then there was still one more. There was Thomas. He was, he was, I don't know where Thomas was. He was, uh, he was in his own house doing his own thing, hiding from people. I don't know. Thomas, maybe, you know, he was sitting under a tree. That's where they found him in the first place. So he's just pondering in a tree. I don't know who Jesus was, but he's gone now. And Jesus came again so that he could see Thomas specifically because they told Thomas, we've seen him. He's alive. Not only did Mary tell us he's alive, we have now seen him. And Thomas was like, nope. I am not going to believe it until I see him with my own eyes and with my own hands, put my hands on the scars in his hands and his feet. That's the only way I'll believe. And so Jesus appeared and he's like, hey, I'm here. Here are my scars. And Thomas didn't even want to do it. Because he realized that he created this image of Jesus that was dead and gone, but it wasn't true. The world will tell us Jesus isn't real. God isn't real. He'll tell us that. It'll tell us that nothing matters. Life doesn't matter. What we do doesn't matter. So seek after whatever it is you want. But see, that's the problem. The world tells us that God isn't there. Stop looking for him. But it doesn't tell you to stop looking. And so our lives are never satisfied because we continue to look and to look and to look and never find anything that can satisfy us. Work cannot satisfy us. People cannot satisfy us. Success cannot satisfy us. Love cannot satisfy us. We keep looking and looking and looking and looking. And nothing brings us closer to being happy. There are so many stories of people that have had so much success, millions and millions of dollars and billions of dollars. And some of them are just like, there has to be something more. That's, I think, a a, a general question that all of humanity asks ourselves. There has to be something more. And when it doesn't make sense to us, sometimes we give up on that and we stop looking. We say that God is dead and there's nothing we can do about it. But see, Jesus, he breaks the mold of all of that. Everybody thought he was going to stay dead, but he didn't. The disciples thought he was going to stay dead, but he didn't. The Roman guards who were watching the tomb, they thought he was going to stay dead. But when two angels came and rolled away the stone, they, he didn't. And they were terrified. The religious leaders who brought Jesus to be crucified thought he was going to stay dead and he didn't Jesus breaks the mold and see that's so important to to realize because when we need forgiveness he's the one that gives us forgiveness even if we don't deserve it even if we think we don't deserve it because that's what we a lot of times that's what we tell ourselves I do bad things and I am beyond redemption 
one of my, uh, I, I don't think he does shows anymore, but as a comedian by the name of Mark Lowry, maybe he does or maybe he doesn't, he's a Christian comedian. And he tells this story, he said, um, he talks to a bus driver and he was telling him, it's like, well, do you know Jesus? Oh, you know, I don't go to church. I'm too, I'm too far away from God for that. And so Mark Lauer brings up the story of King David and he says, well, did you ever, uh, uh, commit adultery and then cover, uh, murder her husband to cover it up? Well, not yet. <laughs> he responded. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know? We think we're too far from him, but Jesus breaks that mold. Even when he was dying on the cross on Good Friday, which we celebrate, he was dying on the cross and the people who were putting them there, who nailed him to the cross, who lifted him up. He prayed for them and said, God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know. He offered forgiveness when it didn't make sense to offer forgiveness. Jesus breaks the mold. He accepts us for who we are. He takes us as we are. So it doesn't matter who you think you are or what you think you are or how the world sees you or what the world thinks of you or if the world doesn't accept you no matter what. No matter race, religion, sexual orientation, nothing, none of that matters. Jesus looks at you and tells you you are loved. He breaks the mold when everybody else, including people in the church, will tell you Jesus doesn't love you. He loves you still. Because those people don't know what they're talking about. That's not the Jesus they, that, that we follow, that we believe in. Because that Jesus, that they, like, that, this is the most amazing love story. He had everything. All the power, all the glory, all the worship, the praise, the name, everything. And the Bible tells us he abandoned it all. And that he did not even consider, although he was God, did not consider himself like God. And lived like us to show us a better way of living, to show us a better way of being, of existing, of, of loving. And then he gave it up in the ultimate sacrifice. He knew. He knew he was going to die. And he suffered and he, he, he struggled just like you and me. And that's why Jesus is so amazing because even in the night before he was crucified, he was praying, God, take this away from me if it's possible. He knows what it is to struggle. He knows what it is to hurt. He had friends that died. And although he brought them back, he knew what it was to lose the friend. He cried and he wept and he weeps with us. He knows our brokenness. And he steps into that and breaks the mold and says, here I am for you. Your brokenness doesn't scare me. Your sin doesn't scare me. Who you are doesn't scare me because I made you. He breaks the mold. We hope you enjoyed the message today. And we would love to hear the story about how God is using this ministry to change your life. You can share it with us at myemmanuelchurch.com slash mystory. And if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. And if you're in the Houston area, we would love to see you on Sundays at 11.30 a.m. Have a blessed week.